Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi guys, I'm Sai and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of the Andy Campbell Football Show and this is episode number 126. The show is available live on Facebook, YouTube and Twitter. Ace Podcast Nation, of course, your home to many other great shows and series featuring top guests, expert analysts and more. So uh, please do give us a follow on social media, subscribe to that YouTube channel and uh, click the bell for notifications every time we upload or go live. And, uh, of course, you can get the audio versions of every single show we do, the usual radio or podcast platforms, just search Ace Podcast Nation, over 400 shows and series there on various subjects. But uh, just as we wait for those various platforms, just to fill up a bit and uh, some of the the stragglers and latecomers to join us, uh, a big thank you to Black Diamond Sports. As ever, Black Diamond Sports is a global sports agency representing sports stars from around the world. For more information on what they're doing, you can visit their social media pages and their website, the links to which are both in the description below and the uh, the closing credits at the end of the show. And uh, today's sponsor, as ever, is Bespoke Financial. Darren Ralston of Bespoke Financial currently giving away a free will worth £140 with any new policy which is taken out. So please do check him out. Give him a call and don't miss out on this amazing offer. Tell them that we sent you. They've looked after Andy for various years with uh, with several different policies, including the critical illness and the injury cover. They are truly top of their field um, and they provide 
award-winning service. We are very proud to uh, partner with such a brand, and we thank them for sponsoring the show. Getting a bit tongue-tied there, I was. Too much information <laughs> to give out at once, but uh, let's uh, let's introduce the main men. So, first of all, as ever, the, my co-host with the most, the goal collector, the fox of the box, and still the king of the Millennium Stadium. He is David Jones's favourite son, ex-Cardiff City and Middlesbrough striker, the speed demon, Mr Andy Campbell. How goes it, my friend? Good evening, Si. Yeah, excellent, yeah. Um, really looking forward to tonight. Uh, got another amazing guest on with a, with a story to tell. Um, just talking off air, we've, uh, I think we're going to um, uncover some, uh, some really good antidotes and some, uh, and some good things. Yeah, really excited. It's been a, uh, it's been a long week. Um, last week, I mean. Obviously, we know football on. I think it's, you know what I mean, uh, that I think Harry Redknapp came out and said something about international international football is just it's losing its um, it's losing its appeal. And you know what? Oh, I'm a I'm a I'm a, I'm a big English I'm a big English fan and love my country and and love watching. But it's just this has been a really really long week. Yeah, it's a guy. Just it's not the same without the championship every week and the, and the Premier League as well. I just the international football is just not doing it for me like it. Like he used to. I don't know what it is, but um, I'm very excited to welcome tonight's guest. He's a former Wales international himself. He uh, also played for Swansea City, Crystal Palace, and of course, the mighty Cardiff City. It's my absolute pleasure to introduce <laughs> Mr. David Giles. Welcome, David. How are you, mate? I'm fine, Simon. I'm fine, thank you. Great to have you on, Good David. Really, nice. really pleased. Thanks for giving you time off. Yeah. Yeah, no, fabulous, mate. As I say, we crossed paths obviously during my time at City, and um, and you know what I mean. Always great to talk to you. Um, you know what I mean. Always fun, and I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to uh, to hearing your story. It's going to be great. Yeah, well, I, I was actually what Simon just said about the Millennium. I actually was there, Andy, that game. I was doing commentary for a local radio station, and I have to say it um, it was a probably one of the best. Playoff goals you'll ever see. It was an absolutely fantastic goal. Thank you, thank you very much. Yeah, it was, and listen, it was um, you know what I mean. It, I, I, oh, listen, it was one of those moments which uh, no one can ever take away from you. You know what I mean. And people, um, I tell a story all the time, but people say about um, uh, when you leave a club, uh, people say people will never forget that moment, and you just think it's a tongue-in-cheek moment, and people will say anything to get rid of you. But not the kind of people. You know what I mean. Welsh people, passionate people. They just don't forget, do they? And people just don't forget those kind of moments and memories in, in, yeah. in your career, which is amazing, amazing times. No, I was going to say that Andy came off the bench. You know, it wasn't a case. And they actually, I'm, I'm sure that it was Robert Dunge, sure they took off, who was at yeah. Cardiff at the time. Um, and Andy came on, I, I think it was about 20 minutes ago. Uh, and, and um, oh, it, it was, it was an absolute stunning goal. Volley, Andy, wasn't it? Left foot. <laughs> Yeah, it was, yeah, left foot. Yeah, I didn't score many of them, to be honest. But it was, like you say, you know what I mean? I remember, you know what I mean? You hear everything when there's a big crowd there. And obviously, you know what I mean? With the, with the, with the way the stadium was, and it would have been a high-profile game. And I remember the murmurs, the, the murmurs of uh, bringing Ernie off and, and me coming on and thinking, do you know what I mean? The manager must have been thinking, last chance to loom for him. Because if we'd have lost the game, I think he probably would have, uh, would have ended up losing his job. Because he, he, he made that decision to drop, sorry, to bring off... Uh, um, a player who scored what thirty five, forty goals that season to bring on me who, who hadn't played hadn't played much for, throughout the season because of the form Ernie was on, you know what I mean? So it was a big call at the time. Yeah, he knew. He knew Andy. He yeah, knew. It was he a big knew, call, yeah, as we all know, as you can always say after the event, but it was the right call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. 
Yeah, listen, I'll, I'll never doubt. I'll, I'll never I'll, doubt Lenny. I'll, I'll never doubt Lenny. You had a lot of ginger hair then. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, yeah, I don't know where it's gone now. It just, it just all just rolls into one, like you know. So it's uh, unrecognisable. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just uh, I blame COVID, but no, I can't really blame. I can't blame anything. I look better. I look younger. <laughs> so, um, David, what we like to do to start us off uh, is um, we have it's magnificent too, too, seven. You look good. What we like to do, uh, David, we're going to go with the the magnificent seven, where I I ask you seven quick fire questions, and uh, you just answer, you know, the first answer which comes to mind. You can give an explanation if you want, but um, nothing too taxing. Just to get the viewers, let, let them know what uh, what your tastes are, so to speak. Okay. Bye. Okay, David Giles, Magnificent Seven. First question, uh, Messi or Ronaldo? I said Ronaldo, yeah. yeah okay. Um, and then we've got uh, Cardiff City or Swansea City? <laughs> oh, thanks, Simon. That's a, that's a great one. Listen, at the end of the day, I'm a Cardiff boy. I'm born and bred in Cardiff, and I'm a big believer... That you should follow or support the club and the town city you're from. So, as much as I enjoy playing for Swansea and did well for them, it'll always be Cardiff. Love that answer. Love that answer. Uh, let's be honest, there was only one answer there. I know, but I love but, that answer. Uh, for, I love that answer yeah, that side for many for many reasons, or because there's a justification behind it. And for me, the justification yeah. is always always the right answer. Absolutely. Um, next question is favorite TV show. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, at the moment, I think it's um, oh the the one about the the Queen. You know, um, it's on Sky. Oh, uh, the Crown. It's all about the yeah, Royal the Crown. Family. Yeah, the Royals. Yeah, the Crown. Yeah, I know you mean. Okie dokie. Exactly. It's, it's that good. I couldn't remember the name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next one is. Uh, being a manager or working in the media? Being a manager. Obviously, for financial reasons. <laughs> Good show. Uh, next one. Who's the who's the best manager you ever played under? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I played under some good managers. I played um, under Alan Mullen, ex-England captain, played in the World Cup. Mike England, the Welsh manager, was a great manager. Um, but I'd have to say John Toshak. You know, John Toshak was um, absolutely football. I wouldn't say a person and his general knowledge of things, but on football, was top class. Great answer. Good stuff. Great, Great stuff. answer. Uh, who is the angriest teammate you've ever had? The angriest teammate? Um, that would probably be a, an ex-Cardiff player called Phil Dwyer. <laughs> good, like good shout, like good shout. Like anyone gave the ball, and he let you know as well. <laughs> good shout. <laughs> but for me, though, sir, that's um, and, and David, that's that's how football should be. You know that, that Roy Keane was like it throughout his career. You know, I mean, there was other people who did it. You know, what I mean, and demanded excellence week in week out. And for me, I don't mind that. It keeps everybody on your toes. Hundred percent. And then the final question is: Oh, without a doubt, uh, I think yeah, he's dead right, Andy. The final question, David, is, um, in your opinion, who is the greatest Welshman who's ever lived? It doesn't have to be football-related. Oh, that's easy. easy one to answer, really, that, Simon. It's got to be the king, Barry John. 
Nice. I like that. I like that a lot. Great answer. I like it a lot. Um, okay, so that's the Magnificent Seven with uh, with David Giles, and that was really interesting in itself. I enjoyed that a lot. Um, so what we're going to do now is we're going to move into the tell me why questions. Um, oh, there we go. All right, uh, David will be back now. There was a bit of a time delay, so I'm hoping when David comes back, the, the delay will uh, disappear a bit, fix itself. It's the joys of technology, mate. It is, yeah. Um, Sorry, I feel, I feel really old. Um, uh, was it Reese David Evans? He was 12 when that goal went in. 12 years old. Oh, that, mate, that, that makes me feel ridiculous, by the way. And then Donna Perry, by the way. I thought we were friends. Um, I wasn't happy when Mr. Campbell came on. I was like, no. To be, to be honest, I'll be honest. I'm sure my mum and dad said the same thing. That they didn't want me to come on for various reasons. They heard the murmurs. They heard the certain things that were happening, and um, and then all of a sudden, um, well, the rest is history, as they uh, as they as they as they say it. So you know what I mean? Uh, no, no, no regrets now. Yeah, I, uh, in fairness, like Ernie was the golden boy, wasn't he that season? Like he oh, scored, listen, 30, he's got thirty plus goals. He's and... got three goals in every game he played, didn't he? You know what I mean? He, he was, he was yeah, phenomenal, was his... absolutely phenomenal. But there were certain games which happened to everybody, which just people can play well. And Danny Shitu and Clark Carlisle on the day played very well, but just couldn't yeah, handle Gareth Wally's pass. James James Costley says I was four, nearly five. Oh, that's <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was old enough to drink. That's all I know. But that's, uh, yeah, it's uh, old we're me. old. We're You're old. old as me. You're old as me. I am. Yeah, just uh, I'm about a year behind you. I think I'm forty you, uh, this year. You, you, you celebrated like like I celebrated it. Oh, mate! I was still I was still outside the city arms at about four o'clock in the morning singing Peter Thorne songs. It was amazing, magical. It's the best night of my life. I raise you. I raise you for him to two till Tuesday. Yeah. That was uh... <laughs> a week later. <laughs> In my defence, it was a Sunday, wasn't it? So yeah, it wasn't. It doesn't really sound that good, was it? If it was, if it was a Saturday, uh, that would have been a good achievement. It was good. It was a wicked day, like because I had tickets, um, and I didn't have great tickets, but I had tickets. I was just happy to have them. And then someone contacted me and said, "Oh, I've got these two tickets on the halfway line in the middle tier." I was like, "All right, okay." So I was able then to give my tickets to my brother, my younger brother, who was really keen to go, but he's not like bang into his football like he sports Cardiff, but yeah, yeah. he doesn't go all the time. He just sort of keeps an eye on the results and I was able to give them to him and then I, me and my mate went and sat in this these amazing seats um, I think it's one of those moments on the halfway line, one, of the, like, one of those moments that you that, that history wise that you wanted to be there and if you were there you were glad to be there because it's it's going to be notorious for for a very long time if not forever for, for, for the folklore Cardiff fans and yeah 100% and those, right. you know, I because was, I, I remember, I remember the drive to the game. You know what I mean. And the drive to the game was just all you could see was blue. I know QPR wore blue as well, but I mean proper blue. You know what I mean. That it was, it was Cardiff all the way. And you know what I mean. If we, if we'd have had half the fans in the stadium, which we saw on the way to the stadium, then we could have filled it five times over. Yeah, that's what I meant. There's, um, there's two questions which I really want to ask you, but there, oh, there's two subjects I want to talk about, but. They're in the tell me why's, so I can't. I don't want to bring them up yet until David comes back in, which is a bit oh. frustrating because I'm very keen to talk about them because I've got um, <laughs> some some views, some 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 words to say. Um, but in the meantime, has anything like stuck out for you, mate, from the international break? I have just not enjoyed it. I got to be um, listen. I've watched uh, watched two England games. I watched two England wins. I watched two England clean sheets. I, I'm a passionate English English person 
man. As as everybody knows, I love my country. You know, what I mean, I played for my country. Um, I love it, but it's just it's just not the same as as um, as Premier League football and, and Championship football. Listen, I saw two teams who. One of them was um, was it the Faroe Islands or San Marino, wherever they played the first game, and all they did is sat behind the ball and just 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 ruined the game of football. The second time, the second game, Albania at home, they ruined the game of football again. And for me, if you're going to ruin a game of football, don't apply to be in the World Cup. <laughs> I just don't understand it. You know, yeah. if you're going to try and do it, go and try and win a game, make a name for yourself. You know what I mean? For me, yeah. If it's not going to if it's not going to be done good and proper, then then don't do it. You know. Yeah, I can't even get started, mate, on the, some some of the World Cup. But games and teams at the moment, it's, uh, I find it a bit depressing. But uh, right, David, how are you, mate? Sorry about that. I don't know. Your connection just dropped a little bit. Yeah, um, well, I, th- I think we're still a little, a little bit behind down here, Simon, in Wales. The connection has never been <laughs> <perfect>. <laughs> yeah, It seems to be nice and clear now. Um, I've, had just had a, I've had a word with the fella on top of the mountain there. He's turned the area on the other way. There we go. That's it. Just tell him to stand still, David. Yeah, just tell him to stand still. Whatever he's doing, just stand still. It's like we used to do when, uh, when we were kids with the aerial. I know my dad's watching the show because he's running a few comments, but my dad... This, yeah, he's just had a dig at you, didn't he? I know he did, he but this is my, this is my dig back. This is my dig back. <laughs> my dad used to make me stand next to the TV holding the aerial just so just that like I could watch it. Just yeah, like that. Exactly like that. On your hand, just twisted. Right. Um, right then, David. So what we're going to do now is uh, what I like to call "Tell Me Why." Uh, so basically, I'm going to ask you and Andy a question or give you a subject, and then for 60 seconds, you kind of answer it or talk about it. Um, would you like to go first or second, David? Well, I think it's always important to go second. There you go. <laughs> so um, this might be tricky for you, Andy, because it's about Welsh football. Um, oh, but you okay. know. We'll see. Okay. We'll see. So the first Let's question go. for. Uh, Tell me why. Tell me why, little sweet little lies. Right. Might surprise everybody with my so, knowledge. Uh, here we go then. So, uh, it's this. Yeah, it's not like a really difficult one. The question is, or the subject is, how Robson Canu, Rabbi Matondo, and Tyler Roberts all sent home for protocol breach from uh, Wales's international camp. Discuss. Uh, Andy, your time starts now. I think the Welsh FA have, have, have set their standard out that if anybody does break any kind of rule, um, that they're not allowed anywhere near the, the first team squad. You know, you look at the manager, the manager's not there. So they've set their president now that if the players break any kind of rule, that they're sent away as well. And listen, if players do break rules, for me, it opens the door for somebody else. There's always young players, there's always players who want it, are desperate to play uh, for the countryside. We spoke. Um, about a certain Cardiff City midfielder who didn't get the opportunity and he came out public and said that he didn't, he wasn't involved. And this is the, probably the reason why that these players, we, we, Will Borks, week in, week out, playing the best of his ability at the minute. He's playing really well, didn't get an opportunity. Yes. And for me, and for me, this is a, um, this, players need to realise how lucky they are. You know what I mean? You get one chance playing as a professional footballer and one chance as a national team player. You know what I mean? You wear that shirt with pride. You know what I mean? The fans adore you as a player. And if you are going to break rules, protocols like Phil Foden did for England, um, and and I can't and Greenwood, you know what I mean? For me, game over. You should be out. Spot on, man. You've got two seconds left. We'll let you off oh, those two I'll seconds. That. Good, that. Um, so, David, same subject. It's uh, maybe a bit harder to go second, we'll say. But uh, what do you think yeah. of the whole uh, the trio being sent home? And uh, your sixty seconds starts now. Yeah, no, I totally agree with Andy. It's um, it's unacceptable. 
you know, that they are playing for their country. I've been privileged to be in that uh, position. And it wasn't probably as strong uh, uh, the way it is now, you know, obviously not, not before the game, but on a Wednesday, players would go out and have a drink together and, and socialise. But to do what they've done, broken the rules, you know, it's unfair to the other lads. Again, as Andy says, as players leave the squad, it gives an opportunity to someone else. And to be honest, if the lads who come in do well, and I hope they do well, I don't see why any of them three should be brought back in. Unless they do something out with their skin. Hal Robson can, come on, he should know better. He had a fantastic Euros in 2016. He scored a great goal. Yes, he's not playing on a regular basis at the moment. But he, he should be setting examples to the young lads. And I'm sorry, it's, um, it's just not acceptable. And the other two lads should be, well, they all... They oh, all and that's just 60 seconds there. Well done, David. You're the first, I think you're the first guest to yeah. go the full 60 seconds. Mm. I could like have gone it. more, by the way. And do you know what? And do you <laughs> yeah. know what I really enjoyed about that, David, and, and things you said there? Um, Hal robson Carnu was out, out of the national team for so long. You know what I mean? He was desperate to come back in. You know yeah. what I mean? And now he's done. Now he's done. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand it. You know what I mean? Like you just said there, we've got the yeah. Euros coming up in the summer. Players should be whiter yeah. than white. So, they should be cleaner than clean. I don't understand this side for me. Yeah, it's, it's bizarre, isn't it? A couple of good points in the chat. Uh, Reese David Evans says, to be honest, would those three names be in the starting lineup uh, for Wales? On whenever the next game is probably not. So if it was Bale or Ramsey or who you know Allen, Keeper Moore, whoever, would they still have sent them home? Because from what I can gather, uh, it was just that they were out of their rooms later than what they should have been. However, as um, I think it was, uh, I can't remember which one of them said it. One of them, uh, Roberts, said. You know, rules are rules, and they knew that they were breaking the rules. So it is what it is, really. If you know what the the rules are and you choose to break them, it's kind of your own fault. But you know, there's no point having rules then, say, is there? You know what I mean? If you're going to have rules, no. you have it for everybody. You know, how Robson Carney, mate, is the one which that's that's the only one that annoys me. I think genuinely because he retired from international football, then decided <laughs> yeah. no, actually, I would want to still play, and then to get back in the side and kind of you know he should know better, really. I totally agree, and and you know what as well. Yeah. Um, so hopefully then, these just... these players come back with a um, with responsibility, come back with performance, and and repay the manager back, who was Pagey, or manager back, which is Ryan Giggs, and repay the fans back with some good performances because they deserve they deserve better than this. Yes. What are you going to say then, Dave? I I, I don't get that. I was going to say with the technology sign we got today. Why do they have to go to their rooms to see one another? They can do what you know we're doing now. Mm. They can go on Zoom or, or whatever, FaceTime. Mm. They've got their phones. It, that's just silly, absolutely silly. And you know, it's mm. yeah, it's, it, it sounds when you say that they were out of their rooms. Perhaps that sounds a bit petty, but you, mm. the rules are the rules, and they, they, you know you've got to stick to that. Mm. Yeah, especially in COVID times, this yeah. you know there's a reason why things are so tight, and they've got these bubbles. Because they're trying to get everything back up and running as best they can, and it's but the, as well, you know, though, si, as well as well wrestling recuperation just as important as training. You know what I mean? If they're being yeah. given time off training and then they're, and then they're gallivanting around the hotel and doing things they shouldn't be, then they're not listening. They're not listening to what they're told to do. You know what I mean? If I'm if I'm told to go to training at nine o'clock, I turn, I turn up at ten past. I broke a rule. What comes with breaking a rule? You know what I mean? I'm going to get told off. I'm going to get fined. I'm going to get kicked out of the squad. Yeah. It's the same thing. A rule's yeah. a rule. And that's that's being late to a game, to training. Yeah. You know what I mean? You look at, um, yeah. what was the Arsenal player who got, um, um, 
Uh, the Arsenal centre forward who got dropped for the Premier League game because he turned uh, up late. Abamian. Abamian. Got you know dropped mean? Listen, the Tottenham game, didn't he? Yeah, so he's the biggest name, biggest name player, captain, Tottenham uh, Arsenal captain. He got dropped for that game. You know what I mean? No, yes. no football is bigger than than any team or country or nation or or camp for me. Two um two great questions from the live chat. Um, Will first of all says Johnny Williams. Will Vokes is ahead of Johnny Williams for Cardiff City, but behind him for Wales. And it kind of shows the difference that players, uh, managers have in their opinions of players, really. And also, you know, they've got their favourites, the players they trust. But Will Vokes was un- unlucky. But Reese David Evans asked the question, who sent him home? Was it Robert Page's decision or was it Ryan Giggs's decision? Well, nobody will ever find this out, though, will they? Because this, obviously, Page is obviously running clear as well he's, while he's there. But, you know what I mean? Ryan Giggs is making the decisions from, from, from behind. And for me, um, you know what I mean? Regardless who's, who's made the decisions, the, the players have got to understand that they've brought the rules, they've done something that they shouldn't have been doing. And, and you move on, move on very quickly and just uh, just see what's, see what's what from, 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 from going forward. Because if other people do it, Gareth Bill does it next week, it's gonna, he's going he's gonna to get the same punishment. It's an interesting one, and doing it with that, would they have sent Gareth Bale home? Is the question. Um, well, listen. Look at England side. Look, look at England. Um, probably two of England's most promising young players, um, uh, Phil Ford and Mason Greenwood, both got kicked out of their th- that, that but, kicked out of their camp. Yeah. If it was being Harry Kane, would they have done it? I believe they would have done. Because... Yeah, they would have. But they've got the depth to. If they'd sent Harry Kane home, they'd have played Mason Greenwood yeah. or they'd have played yeah. Phil Ford. Wales don't have that depth. They are so dependent on your Gareth Bales, your Aaron Ramseys, that I don't know. I, I, I'd like to think that maybe they would have still done it, but you know they would have still sent him home regardless of who the player was. But it's questionable. Yeah, so we've got some good comments, mate, in the um, in the chat, and it's quite interesting. It's, it's, it's brought up a bit of a debate, mate. Um, so let's have a look. Donna Perry says she wasn't happy with Kiefer Moore playing against Mexico. Would rather he had just played against Belgium in the competitive game. And I think that's fair. Like the players who've played week in, week out for championship teams and Premier League teams, they should have been rested in that f- in the friendly against Mexico. There's no need to... Because I didn't even think they needed to fit that game in, to be honest well, you just, with you. you. You just took the words out of my mouth. What is the point of having a friendly? You know what I mean? Because... There's not space for three games in this window, you know what I mean? Unless the three competitive games and they've got to be done. If you if you have two competitive games in this window, then just have the, have the middle game as a, as, as a as a training camp, as a togetherness to get the group together, um, to work on certain things in and off the training pitch. Um, have a have a game against the twenty ones. Do something between yourselves. That's fine. You know what I mean? You can see more players doing what they need to do. You can be you can impress more people, but. Do, do, did they really need to play? Was it Mexico they played? Did they, did did yeah. they really need to play the team? Did, for me, no. You know what I mean? You've got you're getting more risk for injury. You know what I mean? You, you're getting the business end of the season. I'm guessing Cardiff City manager, club fans, everybody associated with the club would not be happy if Kiefer Moore or anybody other any other footballer gets injured coming up to this time of the season and Cardiff City don't get in the playoffs as a result of it. You know, I just I just think it's absolutely like madness. You know what I mean? I look at. Um, you're on about strength and depth, but I look at I watch the England games uh, very closely, team selections, and um, uh, Jose Mourinho asked uh, Gareth Southgate to uh, to not overuse Harry Kane, so he didn't did come he on. Didn't come on. Didn't come on in the first game, so he was subbed. Didn't come oh, on. Okay. 
You know what I mean? Which is absolutely fantastic. Yes, they were playing uh, San Marino or Fairlands, whichever one it was, I can't remember. But um, it, it, for me, it's irrelevant. You know what I mean? It, it, if you've got a player who's going to burn out and burn out very quickly with it with an injury problem like Harry's had or Keith yeah. has had. You know what I mean? Kiefer pulled his hamstring not so long ago. You can't risk these kind of players. You know what I mean? They they need a rest. They haven't had a rest for a, a, about a year and a half. Some of them. You know what I mean? So you know what I mean? he's he's gone yeah, from he's gone intense. from playing he's gone from playing for Wigan in a in a struggling side week in, week in week out minute minute and then he stands for Cardiff City. No pre-season, no time to get going, and games constant all the way through. And it's it's a difficult one. And then it's two games a, it's two games a week solid all the way through the end of the season. So for me, I, I don't agree with it. Spot on. I um, this is why Fergie used to pull his players out all the time, isn't it? Basically, of international I'm, friendlies and stuff, because the international managers wouldn't consider how many games they played and and if they were burnt out or if they'd not long had a long term injury, if they just wanted to play them. Sorry, but you'll be, so you'll he, be more of an expert for my next my next question. Did well, Ryan Giggs turn up? Did Ryan Giggs turn up for international friendlies? No, not very often. So what? So as a manager, can he expect his players to turn up for international friendlies? Competitive games are different. Competitive games you need to play. I suppose they're already out there, aren't they? They're playing. It's sandwiched in between two competitive games. So well, have a, have, a, have a bigger have a, have a bigger squad. You call it a B game and 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 call up some of the 18s or call up some of the 17s or call up someone. Yeah, who's, I agree, mate. You know what I mean? I, I just think you said in the chat the UEFA say they have to play three games in the international break. So that if they haven't got three competitive games, they play an extra friendly. But Craig makes a good point. So obviously everyone generally agreed with what me and you were saying about friendly. But he says um, Mexico being a top 10 side will boost Wales's world ranking and help them move to the next category. And obviously historically, Wales have struggled in the group qualifications because they're always got like two or three top teams in their group. But so I thought I thought that wasn't. I thought that move. wasn't gonna. Yeah, no. But I thought that was that's what the Europa, the the U- Nations, Nations League, League, the Nations League was for. I didn't. I, I didn't think that was the friendlies because if you've got the friendlies that want to move in the games, you know what I mean? Because yeah. I don't. I don't understand it side for me because if you've got a friendly and you're playing, um, I don't know. What, I don't know. I don't know where where people are in position wise. Uh, that's that's a good comment by the way. Um, mm. But if Wales beat Mexico like they did one 0 um, does that mean yeah. that Wales take Mexico's mantle in their position, or does it just give them more points? How many points do you get for a win? How many? Do you know what I mean you could be a thousand points away from the clubs, and, you, and you're never going to move? So it doesn't matter if you win, lose, or draw. You know, sometimes you got to look at the bigger picture. And are we gonna are we gonna win enough games this year to get us enough points to get where we need to be? I understand that there's more. I, I always thought that's what the National League was for. If they're making that competitive, and you're getting promoted and relegated, and that that's, that replaced. The, the needless friendlies, the, the, apparently, because we've had this conversation on the show, by the way, they are um, competitive friendlies. That's what people told me. Competitive friendlies. So what are these games now? So the the the, um, the Mexico game, is it, is it a competitive friendly or is it needless friendly? I'm confused now because if, if the Nation League is important, then this is an absolute outrage and, and a waste of time. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Uh, Nations League football has just made me care less about international football. However... Like, I don't know, it frustrates me. Like, if look, if I was in Ryan Giggs's position when he was playing, I wouldn't have come to friendlies either. When I'm playing in the Champions League finals and Champions League, and I'm going for doubles and league titles with 
the best domestic side in the country at the time and it's like a golden era i would make sure that i was turning up for the competitive games but friendly i'm not binning them off i got it it's just me i'm just being honest yeah no it depends it depends how we look at it you know you know i i i listened to an interview robbie Keane did um well, Robbie Keane talked about friendlies and he said that he loved playing for his country week in, week out, every game. That's why he's top goal scorer in for Ireland and doesn't probably look like anyone's ever going to beat him. Um, he's a hero in his, in, his, in his country because of that reason, because he scored loads of goals in competitive games and in friendlies. And For me, Ryan Giggs probably would have been the most capped player ever in Welsh football. He probably could have been the Wales top goal scorer ever. You know what I mean by a country yeah? Well, he would have broken all sorts of records. You know what I mean? And that's, and, that's the, and that's the only that's the only thing. Was it was it his decision? Was it was it Sir Alex's decision? Whose decision was it predominantly to stop him from playing for his country? I've seen. Um, I read Fergie's first book, and he said that he he kind of skirted around it a little bit, and he sort of said he didn't necessarily tell him. You know, you're not going or don't encouraged go. or discouraged. Would, discouraged. Like like Gig had a lot of hamstring issues, particularly early in his career because of his running style. So I think Fergie would just remind him of that and say, you know, make sure you look after your hamstrings and because you're not going to be under the club's care. So he would sort of say, you know, make sure you look after yourself while you're there. So I don't know. I I can see it from both points of view, and I understand why fans are so frustrated with him, but. Equally, I kind of get it as well. Um, Rob Boyle is not joining us live tonight in the chat because he's got, he's got a leaving party on Zoom. He, uh, he messaged me to say he was going to watch afterwards, um, which is funny because he asked uh, me and Kev whether he should leave his job and go to a new job. Um, and me and Kev told him, yeah, go to your new job. And, um, <laughs> and he has. So he's having a leaving party. So I, was, I, say, I did say to him, there's no refunds. If it doesn't work out, you can't okay. come back and kind of, he could have. Um, he, he could have done his leaving party on here in front. That's in front right, of loads of, In front of loads of people. Yeah, he's missed a trick. Right he's missed a trick. Missed a trick. Um, where's there was a comment uh, that one? I was going to say just to do a little bit of promotion while we wait for David. Um, Gaz says a uh, great show with Harry Harris last night. That UA for official should be fired. So yeah, what he's referring to, I did an episode of my story last night with Harry Harris. I, I put it out last night. And um, in it, he discusses one of the stories from his new book, uh, Red Card to Racism, where a UEFA official, uh, during an official like uh, UEFA meeting, says to a high-ranking member of the English FA that um, how come Hitler didn't get all the Jews to enter this Jewish member of the English FA, um, which when that was when he said that story, I was just astounded. Like you would see if you watch it, you'll see my reaction. Like I was at, utterly astounded. How can we expect people like that to stamp out racism in football or on social media or anything else? I think it's showing. I think it's showing a, a, a really dark, a darker side of um, of UEFA and FIFA, and um, and I think corruption and that word corruption um, has followed them around for so long. It's uh, it's quite scary, really. You know what I mean. And I think yeah. the need to show unity together, the need to start listening to people, the need to start listening to football and coming together and bringing nations together. You know what I mean? Like I said on Friday about um, uh, about countries and 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 and, and 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 nations not being together. You know what I mean? And I think 
UEFA and FIFA could could do that do do that if they really wanted to they could bring everybody together and they could all push in the same direction and then everyone would support them even more. At the minute, we just seem as though they're running on their own and they're running down with, with a different agenda and it's um it's quite worrying really. You know what I mean? Because it's all about the World Cup. It's all about um, the Euros and you know what I mean. That, uh, what, with what's happened over the last twelve months or plus, um, I think we uh, I think we've realised that football is not the be all and end all anymore. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. Um, it's just one of those things. Just waiting for David to get back. He was having some connection issues, and he was—I think he was finding it difficult to. I'm leaving. To hear in a I'm going to go to. Uh, I'm going to go to that leaving Rob, party. Rob, Rob's leaving party on Zoom. I'm going to we'll just, party, yeah. uh, all just go and join him. Um, I saw someone asked about Mason Mount, and I wanted to talk yeah, about it. I can't find it. Where is it? Ah, there he is. So Stuart Campbell, the Andy's dad, says it's okay to leave Harry Kane out as he will always be in the team, but playing every game would maybe be good for Mason Mount to impress the manager. Um, if I just jump in quickly before, because you're much more equipped to answer this as an Englishman because you've watched it more. Um, Mason Mount has um, played a lot of football for Chelsea in the last 18 months. Mm. He's very he's still only, like as far as I'm aware, I think early 20s at the most. Yep. Like to me, Players like that, who are like early 20s, the ones who've played week in, week out since the football came back after the very first lockdown, they're the guys who need a break now because they're the guys who, like you said, played for like a year and a half straight. And I do feel like maybe their managers are not looking after them. Um, remind me to ask you about Donna's comment as well when you've, when you've answered your dad's question. Comment. Yeah, Um I think I think players at a certain age, um, and you look at the uh, you look at clubs, certain clubs who, who rotate. Chelsea rotate, so Mason's been rot- rotated. He's played some of the high-profile games, some of the bigger games. Um, but I think Gareth needs to see him in a competitive game. Um, he needs to see him in probably a couple more competitive games. So the the game can he unlock the door against a lesser side who sit eleven men behind the ball? Can he go and play in a quite a hostile place of Albania? And can he? be kicked to pillar a post and can he make things happen, which he did. So he's ticked both boxes. You know what I mean? Can he do it in um, a high-pressure game? I don't think he'll ever get that in a qualification with England because of how, how, how easy the groups have been. Can he do yeah. it in, in, a, in a Euros or a World Cup? Well, that's still unanswered. He's still got to answer that himself. He's got to get that opportunity. And the only way he's going to get those opportunities is if he plays and does well week in, week out. Because I, I look at Raheem Sterling. Um, obviously, Raheem played both games as well, which I, which is surprised. It surprised me probably the most out the out the lot. And for me, Mason was the standout player out the out the two. You know what I mean? I, I, even Phil Foden, uh, Mason and Phil both played a similar role. They both played on the right, which didn't really make sense. They were both doing a similar job, both taking each other's positions. Um, but Mason obviously got a goal. Uh, he, he created chances. He, he he looks dangerous. He glides past people. He's a very confident young 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 fella. Um, and listen, the future is bright for England. If you've got and Chelsea um, and the Premier League, because we all know what's good players and and uh, and people entertaining us. Uh, and if they and if they're from that country, then then even better. But um, yeah, I'm uh, I mean, I'm interested and intrigued to see if it can uh, if it can carry on long term. So, a couple of really good points in the chat on this kind of debate about players missing friendlies and being rested. Um, Rob Lay says if Cardiff lost Kiefer Moore or Harry Wilson, it would dent in their promotion hopes 90 minutes of added international football is bound to increase fatigue um and then also you've got like you've got a couple of people who said you've got to be really careful like look at michael owen he was worn out by the time he was hit 20 his hamstrings were knackered he lost pace and he was never really the same after that 
um, World Cup where he scored that goal against Argentina. Like, he still had a great career, don't get me wrong. But he was never quite that same striker. He had to adapt his game. And also, someone else said, and I can't find the comment now, but that's why Giggs had a longer career than most footballers because he managed his international career to be able to have a break. Um, and then the last one I wanted to say was um, Donna said she'd be happy for Kiefer Moore to mesh international friendlies if, you know, that she wouldn't care if he missed international friendlies. And I think, like, for me, I feel the same way. I don't know what you think, but... I think... I think that the need looking at, I think, uh, I think as a manager, you know what I mean? Like Mick McCarthy, he must be on edge while his players aren't there because he's, he's sent, obviously, Bakuna is away playing international football, flying here, there and everywhere and playing games. Um, you've got Kiefer Moore, you've got other players in the Welsh squad, you've got other players in, in, in other, in, in other levels travelling away. And all he's doing is, is hoping for that phone call after a game that, yes, boss, I'm fine. Or at the end of the window, um, the international window, that, that I'm fit and ready to play. But then you've got that um, added extra that you've got to wait until they come back to see what state they're in, mentally, physically. Are they ready to go and play in a, in a big championship game? And if they're not, then the whole thing's been a waste. Anyway, the last 10 days that you haven't seen them, who's been looking after them? Who's got their best interests at heart? Um, who's been given? Have they had enough rest? You know what I mean? People think, oh, of course they are. They're just sat in a hotel. They're not doing anything. Well... They're training twice a day, potentially. You know what I mean? They're travelling and flying to different places. They're playing in a game, competitive game. Wales have been, what, to Belgium? Flew to Belgium, trained, flew back, played in Wales. I don't know who the next game is this week. but it's Belgium again. Belgium again at home. So it's going to be another physically demanding game. You're not going to see a lot of the ball, so you're going to be doing a lot more running. So you've got to take all these things into account. And, and I've spoke countless amount of times, Si, about um, Kiefer Moore, um, how selfless he is and how much running he does and this isn't the Keeper Moore show by the way this isn't me saying anything but he does more running off the ball closing down and when you've got a team like Belgium who are going to keep the ball he's going to do more running and with more running becomes fatigue with fatigue comes injuries and I'm so hopeful that come Wednesday night Thursday Thursday morning when he turns up to Cardiff City for training for for hopefully a cool down Friday morning when he turns up he's fit and raring to go for the championship because they pay his wages and they pay a huge transfer fee for him as well by the way Indeed, mate. Spot on. Couldn't agree more. Um, Gaz says, look after young players and they will repay you. And I think that's right. Um, I have, I've sent David a couple of messages. I'm not sure what's going on. So we're just going to have to do it on the fly. Me and Andy have got everything planned around talking to David. So we're going to just do it on the fly like we, like we are more than capable of doing. Joe Ledley's gone to Newport County, mate. What do you think about that? Um, for yeah, for both, I think it's a good, good fit. Listen, Not yeah, to, listen, a good fit. You know, I spoke to Joe and told him, uh, said congratulations. I think it's a um, he wants to play football, he wants to help out a club, and uh, they got an opportunity to get promoted to League One. So, I, I, listen, I hope, I hope he's that final piece in the jigsaw, jigsaw which can which can help them do it because for, for South Wales football, um, we all want to see Newport County get promoted and we want to see the club being successful and we want to see um, good things happening. And if that's a, a Cardiff boy doing something good and um, scoring the winning goal in, at Wembley again because he's, uh, he's he's notoriously good at that. Uh, that'll be pleasing to see. So, yeah, good luck to him. Spot on, Ed. Um Donna asked a question. I can't find it now, but it was really interesting. One for the Googlers who like to Google stuff that we're talking about. Is David Giles the only footballer to play for Wrexham, Swansea, Cardiff uh, and someone else I can't remember who, like the full... The Wrexham, Newport, Swansea, and Cardiff, like the full 
uh, the full Grand Slam. Full house, of, isn't it? Uh, well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, full house. Listen I wonder if anyone else has done that. I, I think, and we spoke, obviously, off air. Um, I think there's a... If that's, whoever that is, if that's Dave, by the way, because if Dave's still doing the social media from West Auckland, I uh, hope you're well. Um, and everybody at the club, by the way, everyone's safe. And, and hopefully I'll get down to catch a, catch a game. Um, it's, a big, it's a big achievement, you know, Si, um, for players to, to do that. Um, probably more daring than I would be to move from rival to rival and then twice back, back again. Um, so people have uh, people have got thick skin. You know, footballers do though, you know, and and uh, I know we spoke about um, um, about people and fans helping players and, and and making sure that they get a good welcome. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, if, if a player doesn't do it for that football club, and it's because of fans giving um, giving stick out to to players, then the fans are the ones who's getting punished again. So they're punishing themselves indirectly without really noticing or realising they're doing it. Because if you give praise and um, positive comments to a player and he scores the goals or he, he wins the tackles or he keeps clean sheets or he saves a penalty, you know what I mean? It's, it doesn't matter how you, how you act to a player because he's, 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 paying for your, um, he's playing for your club and he's getting paid by your club. So for me, back your players regardless where yeah. they're from. 100%, mate. Um, so we'll do the, the other tell me why, mate, just because it's quite a good little topic to talk about. Um, and the, the topic question is uh, one of the FA Cup finals is going to have fans what do we think of that and is it fair uh, time starts now um, uh, it's a great it's great news by the way I think there's going to be 20,000 fans at Wembley which uh, obviously will be better than better than nothing there's still, I still think we can have a little bit more uh, but listen 20 oh, breaking news mate nothing go on um, I not a big fan because I know a couple of friends of mine are playing the week before at Wembley for um, concert against Hebben Town in the FA Vars, and they're not allowed any fans, and they could really do with the revenue. They could do really do with the money. So if it's a week's difference, I don't see why you're allowed and, and other other people aren't. Um, I just think we've got to be fair here. You know what I mean? If we're not having any fans at Wembley for the rest of the season. Then let's do it for everybody. Let's not pick and choose who has it because there's going to be some big clubs, by the way. But then you've got the added extra as well. If you're a, a fan of a club who's at Wembley, how do you decide who's getting a ticket as well? Because that'd be good. Yeah. a massive can of worms because you've got 20,000 fans between two clubs. It probably won't even be 10,000 each because the FA will get involved with, with so many tickets. So, you know what I mean? You're probably looking at 6,000 fans for a team who gets 60,000 fans at home for a home game. So it's going to be difficult. Time's up there, mate. But um, yeah, I thought that was... Uh... Well said, mate. I think it's a bit unfair on the other FA Cup final and teams and it kind of gets into the, we discussed before, with the VAR not being at every FA Cup game. Yeah. It, does that make it an unfair competition? And I would question if you've got two semi-finals, they should be in the same set of circumstances and rules. But we'll get to that in a minute. David, welcome back. How are you, my <laughs> friend? Thanks, David. I tell you, I keep disappearing, lads. <laughs> I love the invisible man. <laughs> oh, in, the, in the hands of technology, it's uh, not much we could do about it, so we'll just uh, go. But a bit of breaking news for us to discuss. Uh, at the end of this season, Sergio Aguero is leaving Manchester City. Um, that fascinates me. His contract's run out, so he's free. Um, Andy, if you take out, like, him maybe not wanting to go to a rival. There's a few of the top four clubs in the Premier League who really need a striker, a goal scoring striker. Yeah, he would be perfect for that, surely. 
Oh, listen, I think he's given so much to the Premier League. He's given so much to Manchester City. You know what I mean? Just mm. uh, just that one goal alone would have been enough. You know what I mean? For the Man City fans with it against the QPR yeah. winning the title on that last day. But he's given so much to them. He's given so much service for, for someone who's got no affiliation with the club or the city or, or England. You know what I mean? So he's, he's done amazing. Um, I think it's a, it's a fitting way to... Um, to, to, to bring out these, this kind of news. I think it's amazing for, for him and an opportunity for him to go and play somewhere else. I think he's made the right decision to go and play in a different country because yeah, I know he's been quite critical of the weather when he first came. You know what I mean? It rained all the time in Manchester. So, you know what I mean? <laughs> which, which is what it is. But I think, you know what I mean? He's earned that, he's earned that hero status and signing for another Premier League club he get that taken away overnight, and and he's not that naive and not that stupid. You know what I mean? He can go and enjoy his football. He can go anywhere he wants if he wants to wind down and go and play. In I the, think in he'll the, go to the MLS. In, in, in the MLS right, and, go and, and go and go and go and sign for David Beckham or something. Then you know what? Good luck to him because he's earned that right to go and enjoy a couple of years in the sun and enjoy his lifestyle and play a few games along the way because he's he's, he's earned 100%. that right. Hundred percent. Um, David, I wanted to get your take on something. Uh, it's been announced, or it looks like there's going to be one of the FA Cup semi-finals is going to have spectators uh, about around twenty thousand, but one isn't. Do you feel? I, I don't know. I feel like, like that's a bit unfair. Do you think that it should be the same for both semi-finals? Oh my god! Of course you should, Simon. That's you can't do that. You can, you cannot let one one uh, one game have twenty thousand there, and then and then the other game there with nobody there. That that no, you've got to split it equally. I don't know who's making that decision, but I'm sure that um, there'll be huge protests about that. You know that that's an insult to football fans, really. And I would think that the fans who were lucky enough, if they did get oh twenty thousand to split between these two teams, I would like to think that they would say no. Hang on a sec, that's not fair. You know, what about the other two teams? We're all in it together. Andy said earlier on the start of the show, you know, it's been a, a tough, tough time um, for football clubs, but even more so football fans, because that is their life on a Saturday. Um, yeah. we, people like myself and Andy, we we were the ones that turned up at the ground and we just played. But when you're a fan, it, the, the build-up and the excitement, and, you know, I've seen that now, now that I'm out, not involved in football, you go over the pub and they're, they're talking about it on the Tuesday or the Wednesday. You know about the game on Saturday, so I think that that is a shocking decision, Simon. And I hope that doesn't happen. And, and things also, it, it, it's for me. David just he just mentioned a good point for me. Who's making these decisions? Who's accountable? I can for, tell you who's, if you who's want. accountable because for me, that for me straight away that's a red card. You know what I mean? And I, and I mean, if someone's made that decision, vote them out because they don't <laughs> they don't have they don't have the the the, the goodness of supporters' backs. They don't want to. They don't want supporters back in grounds, obviously. You know what I mean? Because mm. they don't care. You know what I mean? Even for me, uh, 20,000 is a lot of fans. But in a big, bigger scheme of things, if that's Liverpool against Man United, it's small fry. You know what I mean? And you're going to upset more people about who, who can't get a ticket. But then if, yeah. if Watford make the semi-final against Leicester City, uh, how can you justify that, that those supporters can't get, can't yeah. get to watch their fans at Wembley? I just, it, just does, it baffles me how people get to these decisions. So uh, it was the culture secretary... Oliver Dowden, who told the BBC this, uh, he said that um, there will be up to 4,000 spectators at one of the Wembley semi-finals, and then the following weekend at the Carabao Cup final, they might test an attendance of around double that, with the possibility being that there'll be 20,000 fans at the FA Cup final. So basically, they're going, 
to have about four four thousand spectators at the one semi final, which is five percent. Yeah, and then about eight thousand at the Carabao Cup the following week. But for me, for the integrity of the competition, and this is I'm not talking about COVID or anything like this, just purely the integrity of the competition. If you've got two FA Cup finals, uh, semi-finals, they have to be in the same circumstances. Yeah, they have to be at neutral ground. If there's fans, there's fans. If there's not, there's not. They both have to have VAR or they don't have VAR. And mm-hmm. they, you know, Andy, used to, I like we discussed it last season when there was FA Cup games going on in the same round where there was VAR at some games and not VAR at other games. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You can't so have a competition to- where there's different. Different scenarios and situations. I went. I went to. I went for a walk. I went for a walk with my old man at the weekend, and I know he's. I know he's. he's obviously watching the show, and he, and he knows exactly what I'm going to say now because I'm not happy about this. Because um, we spoke about how you can fit so many people into a ground safe. Listen, if you're sat in a seat and you're not sat next to someone who's five seats that way, five seats that way, five seats behind, five seats forward, you can fit more at Wembley. Than that two thousand, that measly two thousand or four thousand fans. That's an absolute outrage. It's, it's 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 disgusting to even talk about it. Don has just put something in the chat there. About, I know it was a tongue in cheek about about so many people being in Tesco. People in Tesco's, I can go. Yeah. I, I I can go to school and I could be sat in a classroom with with thirty kids around me and, and four adults. You know what I mean? So let's not let let's not start making these kind of decisions and think you're doing it for the right of, of football. You're doing it for the right of, of health reasons. People mm-hmm. can still wear masks. You're in the outside because there's no roof on. I yeah. just think that I just think that, that, that there's a bigger picture involved here, and, and for me, just say there's not going to be no football fans for the rest of the season, and at least everyone will know where they are. Everyone will know that it's that when they come back, it's safe. Because, so you can look around the world. I watched Israel against Scotland yesterday. There was some a decent amount of fans there. I watch I watch Australian football live every Saturday morning, every Sunday morning. All the grounds are full. People are sat next to yeah. each other. I watched the cricket. Australia have it's got nearly it right full. The start, yeah, they have. Yeah. So hang on a minute. So so let's not blame football. They're using football as a scapegoat now, and the, yes. the, the things aren't going to get. At. This is this is this has been done, in my opinion, from the government, and the government has caused their own problems. And now they're blaming the supporters in a round circle that they're going to make things worse. Behave yourselves. Give your head a shake. Yeah. Well, yeah. Can you tell me who Oliver Dowden played for? Yeah, that's it. He's a, a politician, literally, and. As we know, get it, politici- get him on the politicians show. Get him on the show. do not like <laughs> politicians. Do not like football. They do not like football fans. No, and no. They will blame anything they can, and they will obstruct, and they will cause issues with football and football fans as much as they physically can. They always have done. Hmm. Um, David, let's switch switch gears a little bit. Let's switch uh, towards you and your career. Um, <clears throat> what's your very first? football memory um very first football memory obviously um so i would be um in junior school um you know being being chosen to, uh, to play for the school and i was thinking i was 88 years of age um i lived in um, in a part of cardiff it's uh it was a council area really great grange town we didn't have any football pitch just a yard so to to play football every Wednesday, we'd have to march 20 minutes into to, to the local park. But we loved that because it meant we weren't doing any work in school. So that was, uh, it was good. But yeah, that was, that was my, uh, early, uh, my start really was uh, at a school called Court Road School in Grangetown. 
How passionate, David, were, 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 the, uh, were the young people around you and obviously you about, about football? Because obviously, with obviously living in Cardiff and living in Wales, I understand how important rugby and football is to, obviously the, to, the, to the people of Wales and the city, but how important was football to you as well as other sports? Oh, massive. Absolutely massive. And, and yes, um, if I'm honest, Andy, probably our national game is rugby. You know, and I think every, every, every all Welsh football fans, you know, as much as we don't like to admit it, but it is. You know, it's uh, they say there's nothing, nothing more like than a day out at the uh, at the Millennium Stadium or the old Arms Park as it used to be on a yeah. on a rugby international. But with with the with the, with the strength of our uh, national football team now, because we've become a decent team, we're not a pushover anymore. We're we're regarded, we're respected. And, and Wales, I think, have become a decent scalp if you beat if you beat Wales. So you know we've we've always had that passion. Um, I do feel that you don't. Perhaps this is me being the age I am. Don't see as many kids over the local parks playing football anymore. Um, yeah. You know that that's those days seem to have gone. I think you know there's a lot of other things they can do now, but um, there's still a lot of passion there for, for for lads who want to play football and of course rugby down here. I totally agree. So, me and Si, obviously, you know, we've both got uh, young kids and, you know what I mean, I'm, I know my dad watches the show religious, religiously and um, and every day after school I'd come back, I'd play out football out the front, I'd, I'd use the garage doors as a goal and, or you go to the local park and you do this or you go to the beach or you, you know, I agree. You know, I mean, the amount of kids now who have everything on the doorstep ready just mm-hmm. to do active stuff, to play football, to do other sports and to be, just be kids again. You know what I mean? Instead, they'll play on computers, they'll go on devices, mobile phones and things and, I was so proud and so glad that I never had that opportunity to have all them things because life was fun. You know what I mean? Football was fun, and, yeah. and I think and I think I think people have got a little bit muddled up and complicated with um, with what's available for them because and I think yeah. with 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 being locked down, um, I think we've got sick of things what we've got in our houses: devices, TVs, um, computers, iPads, phones, etc. You know what I mean? And when we get opportunities to go out for the hour when it, when we were allowed, and and now that we're starting to do a little bit more normal things, that people hopefully will will realise how important it is to get back outside in the in the fresh air and um and kids can go to the park and play football and, and just be kids again because you know what I mean how yeah. how are we gonna how are we gonna make the next Gareth Bale if he's sat playing on his Xbox? You know what I mean? How are we gonna yeah. make the next yeah. Aaron Ramsey if he's if he's choosing not to go outside because he's not used to it. You know, I just think, you know, I mean kids need to be kids and kids need to go back outside again and be and just have that opportunity to go and get muddy and just do what we do what we did. That's right, Andy Zedrad. Spot on. Um David, Will in the chat asks a great question, which I want to put to you. He says, um, why do you think football clubs with their all their modern facilities struggle to bring through youth players? Yeah, that's a good question. And and to be honest, um, Si, uh, that is something that has definitely happened at Cardiff City. Um, myself, I'm a, I'm a big, big advocate of this. I was a local boy. Uh, I came through this system as a... Um, we didn't have academies then. It was schoolboy training on a Tuesday and Thursday night. I was 10, 11 years of age, but you'd be training with 15-year-old boys. You'd be getting knocked about. And, you know, I didn't like it at first. But as you get older, you get used to it. But, I, 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 again, perhaps, I don't know what um, is the right thing to say, but I just think the game has changed so much where – I was coached, and, and I'm sure Andy, Andy would have just been around the time. We were coached by ex-pros. 
who had experience, had knowledge, had know-how. I see too many people coaching our future uh, football stars that have just come out of university. They've got all the badges, you know, they've got the car washing, cleaning, you know, could swept, swept the house. You know, they've got an armful of badges, but they've got no football nous, no football savvy. And a young kid wants to pick your brains about who did you play for? What was it like playing against him? Mm. And what was what was it like, you know, to be a footballer? That's mm. what they want to... And I'm sure they, there's still enough uh, quality or, or lads who, who finish the game that want to get into coaching. You don't have to, you know, set out cones. I always remember an old, uh, an ex-coach, he's not coaching now, and I said about, you know, the way they coach kids now. It all seems to be cones here, cones there. He said, Jyla, the cones are great. He said, but they don't tackle you. And, and David, me, David, what, what about um, following on for your point there? That um, how can a, how can someone with all his singing and all dancing qualifications who never played the game tell a young player how they're going to feel when they have a bad game? How they're going to feel when they pick an injury yeah. up? How they're going to feel before a game? Nervous, excited? Because yeah. for me, there's there's different parts of the game. You know what I mean? You, you can be a coach uh, yeah. who 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 does the technical side and the tactical side and has and has and has got all this. All this, all this experience within the coaching, which is great. But then, yeah. if you've not played the game, how are you going to feel during a game, before a game, after a game? Yeah. Because it's there's, there's more to there's more to it than football. And, and I look at um, I've been a, I've been quite negative and um, on the PFA um, that I think they can do a lot more for ex players and totally. push them push them in a direction towards one of their former clubs of of pass their experiences on. We had um, Klaus Lundigvarm on uh, three weeks ago who's going back into Southampton as this kind of coach to help young players and guide them how they're going to feel before, during, after games. And, and yeah. he's, not, he's not a football coach. He's, a, he's more of a life coach and a mental coach for, for, for mm. these players. And, and that's what people need. You know what I mean? Forget sometimes... Um, the tactical side. Yeah, I'll, I'll use Robbie Savage as an example, not being disrespectful to Robbie, but Robbie's always a, um, quite honest about his, his ability and, and that he wasn't the best footballer in the world. But I tell you what, if people had his mental ability, yeah, they could, they could go a long way. And if, um, yeah. if people, and he could get into a football club and tell people how to get in the side, in, in their own heads, like Robbie got in his own head, then tell you what, with people who've got the ability that they've got, they've got an opportunity because the, the, the technical ability of a footballer, now a young footballer, is amazing. But mm. the mental side and the opportunities they get, which means the, the, the fall by the wayside. And, and, and I've seen a, a, a piece in, um, it was on the social media platform this week and James Cominger put it on. It was a, a Man United side, an under 30 Man United side. And there was 22 players on the picture. And this was four years ago. And none of those players now are playing football. That is heartbreaking. Absolutely yeah. heartbreaking. Heartbreaking for the kids, heartbreaking mm. for the families. And hopefully none of them... Um, Stuffer with mental health. Hopefully, none of yeah. them do anything stupid, and hopefully, they all have a good and fulfilled life. Because yeah, it's such a shame it's that, 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 that yeah. Because are they getting the right guidance? Are they, are they did they get the right coaching? And I don't mean the coaching as in like like David said that somebody put cones out and told them how to how to dribble around them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And play a game. Did they get the right person to tell them that that there's a level for everybody? And if you get an injury, that that you will get better. It might just take six months to get better. You know what I mean? Because Injuries are part and parcel of the game, but unless you've had one and you've and, and you can give that experience to somebody, I just find Dead it right. really, really uncomfortable yeah. that people can can hide behind a badge and say that they're a coach. Dead right, it's the having a someone a, a football person 
being able to tell you, look, we're releasing you because you're not good enough at age 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, whoever it may be, particularly if you're at Man United, where like that's one of the biggest clubs in the country, one of the biggest clubs in the world. Mm. As a kid, kids who are in academies, and I know from my own boys, they think every game that if they play badly, they're never going to be a professional footballer again because there's so much pressure and nerves on them. And if you haven't got the right coach telling you, you know, how to control your nerves, how to get ready for the game, how to, to get over a bad performance, that mm-hmm. could be really damaging really quickly for young kids. Um, Reese has made a couple of really good points, which I just want to touch on with the youth system. He says... Back then, clubs had no money, so that like Cardiff had no money, so they were forced to find youth team players. The money within football and the higher-end leagues means that they won't risk playing youth players because you get so much money for finishing higher up the league. Um, and then he said a bit further on, he said um, there was a club in League Two a few seasons ago, and they actually got fined for fielding a weaker side because it was full of academy players, but... They also received a bonus for each uh, academy player making a senior debut. So you get fined and rewarded mm. on the same <laughs> so, day. Same the same fine. Fine. And things I'll say on that on, on that on that comment though, you know what I mean? For me, it's about um, and David will tell you back in back in the day, and even some now, some teams now, um, teams have a philosophy, and the team's philosophy might be. Um, and I'll use them as an example. A club, Carlisle United. Carlisle United over the years have been a have been a selling club. So they'll they'll get players like Matt Janssen, probably the most famous player to ever come out of Carlisle United. Centre forward, they yeah. sold to Crystal Palace for three million quid. Um, they've got some good players now, young players that um, they are notorious for doing that. So they've got to spend money on their youth team. But if you're a buying club and you spend money, then what's the point in having a youth team? You might as well save yourself some money and not bring players through because you're giving yeah. players false promises. You know what I mean? That what did the, the the figures are? What if you're lucky? You one percent of 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 footballers make it as a professional footballer. So then look at look at a football club in, on, on its own. Look at Man United. Then so what percentage of a Man United footballer makes it? If it's one percent for the whole of football, at one club it must be even smaller than that. So it must be not point not one percent. So it's, mm. it's that's outrageous. You know you can look at Cardiff City. Cardiff City now they've got a couple of players in the um, in the in the match day squad in the team which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, obviously Joe Rolls came through. Um, obviously one of the you know what I mean back in the back in the back in the day because obviously he played a, a hell of a lot of games. But before this season and before probably Joe, you know what I mean you're probably looking at the James Collinses, you're probably looking at um, the yeah. Ernie's, the, um, the the Danny Gabs, you know what I mean and, and, and Joe Ledley and Joe Ledley. Yeah. It's, it's too uh, Aaron Ramsey. Uh, it's too yeah. long, you know. It's it's too long, it and too long. you know what I mean. And 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 look at the kind of money that Cardiff made from those players. You know what I mean? If, they, yeah. if, they, if, if that process works, do it again. Do it again. Yeah. It works. It worked on Aaron Ramsey. It worked on James Collins. It worked on Gabadon. Worked on Ernie. Um, if it's working, just try it again. And only, only quickly, uh, Simon. Um, one of the the questions the guy put uh, put to you was saying about. Um, you know, clubs don't play young players because of money and, and, and you know, where they finish in the league. But I, I totally think that's rubbish. I, I, listen, if you've got a player, and again, this goes back to my point about having ex-players in these academies, because they can see, they'll pick out a kid, they'll go to the manager and say, listen, give this kid a chance, or have him training with you, the first team, because he's a little bit special. He, he's got something about him. He's got half a chance. So they can do that. I don't think these 
coaches who've got all the badges can see things like that. They may give them all the drills and the technical, uh, where they have to play and the systems they've got to play. But I, I'm sorry, I think managers, a lot of them, uh, bottle it, really, with giving yeah. young players a chance. And I'm also not a fan of under-23 football. I think if you're mm. not good enough, around about the 20 mark, then your club have got to make a decision. And be fair to the lad, because I think if you keep him there, there was a boy at Cardiff that got released a couple of years ago, a full-back. He'd been at the club since he'd been seven. And he was 22 when they released him. He only played two or three games. He's now playing for... Um, Solly Hall, Solly Hall, uh, Moors, or you know, in the in the National League, Cameron Cox. You got him. That's him, man. That kid would deserve a chance. I saw yeah. him play a few times, but because they, the the first team players, and and he was as good as the right back at the at, you know at the time. I said, I think this kid can can slot in here and, and play at full back, but. Um, well, we, we, we've said the same thing, David. If Cameron, if, if, if for me, Cameron played two games last year. He played in a in a League Cup game, which yes. got beat by Luton. He, he rested all the players. He didn't play the week after. He wasn't even on the bench. FA Cup, he did the same. Didn't mm -hmm. get an opportunity under Neil. Neil liked his tried and tested players, um, but Cameron's at an age there where he's got to go and play football. He's got to reinvent himself Course, because yes. you know yeah. what I mean, I, David. We've had this 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 um, debate on the show with 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 various people. For me, bring back Pontins League. Um, reserve games, you know what I mean? Play oh, 16, 17, 18 year old kids yeah. against against grown men. If you want yeah. to play in the reserves, then fantastic. You can be 30, 35, go and play in the reserves, go and get fit and go, yeah. and, go and test yourself against a 16 year old kid and see if you're good enough still to play and vice versa. Yeah. And that's yeah. the only way I loved it. It, it. it was great for my development, it was great for me to keep keep fit if I wasn't playing. Um, yeah, I, I, I could, I, but I agree. 23 football for me. Who picked why 23? Why not 21? Exactly. I don't exactly. get it. Who, no. who, who decided this kind of an age? You know what I mean? 23 because you're allowed to play overage players. Forget, forget that. You know what I mean? If you're, I agree with what you just said, David. If you get to 2021 and you've not made your debut, then go and try another club. If that's Chelsea, yeah. you've got a job down to, to, to Bristol Rovers, then go and play and go and make a name for yourself like Joe Jacobs did in at Wickham. And he's built exactly. himself up, built himself up, and then he's in the Championship player because I tell you what, it looks like Wickham are going to get relegated this year. It looks like Wickham are going to get relegated this year. It'll be interesting if George Jacobson's not a not a championship player next season, and and he mm -hmm. leaves to go to another club because he's established himself as a top draw player now. So yes, he has opportunities. So you know, what I mean, there's a, there's a level for everybody, and I just think this this continuation of lower league football, at twenty three football, non competitive as well, is just a just a pointless That's exercise. A, yeah, that is the problem, Andy. It's it's non competitive. Like you just said, I I I was brought up in the in the football combination. You know, it's sixteen seventeen. You empty stadiums, but you're playing at, at Highbury, White Hart Lane, uh, Stamford Bridge. You know, mm -hmm. some some fam and you walk out just as a, a kid, and you look around and you think, I want to come back here and play when yeah. this place is full. And yeah. that that's inspiring, you know. But yeah. but that's all gone, sadly. It's all gone. I totally agree. So I, I think I told you the story that I played. I made my I made my first reserve game um, at Filbert Street for against Leicester City, Middlesbrough, and there was, there was something like three thousand fans there. I got in the car with my with my dad after the game, came to watch, and I, that's the first thing I said to my dad when I got in the car. I want to come back here as a Premier League player, and I want to yeah. I want to play in front of a sellout because that was my dream. Because I, I just I just I ticked the box. I, I was playing. I've just got changed in a first team changing room. I was playing against first team players. Yeah. Everything felt like a first team game, apart from the yeah. crowd wasn't there in every stand, but there was there was crowds behind me, so it was still it was still meant a lot for me, and yeah, and that's what got me going.
No, dead right, Andy. Dead right. Um, David, Garen Cole asks, uh, he says, is he right in thinking that Arsene Wenger was never a professional footballer? And I think uh, Mourinho also, I don't think, I think Mourinho might have played a little bit, but not a great deal. Like, I think we're not saying do you have to have played football to be a coach or to to you know be involved in this youth systems. I think the point being more that you need people who have at least experienced football to a certain degree to be able to relate to it because there's so many so many people uh, involved in football, particularly at youth team level and kids level, who just they've got the qualification but they've got it as a job and a qualification rather than being interested in football or having played football, even at a parks level. Like I know at least a couple of coaches in the local Cardiff area who are coaches, it's their job mm-hmm. and they're good with the kids, but they, they don't even play football recreationally. So how can they relate to a bad game or a, yeah, whatever you it can. Be? It's yeah. difficult, isn't it? It is, and the, and and the guy who's put the question saying about uh, Mouse and Wenger, Mourinho, and listen, take nothing away from them too. There'll always be people who have not been players will come through, and and you cannot not uh, knock them for what they've achieved. But just look at the top now: Guardiola at Man City, Gunnar Solskjaer at, at Man United. We seem to be getting a lot more football people back in managing top football clubs, and. And they, well, they know what football's all about. They can um, relate to b- bad things. I'm sure Solskjaer, and that's why some of the young players now at Man United, he spent a lot of time coming off the bench, you know, and, and not playing on a regular basis. And he's got these lads, you know, clued in for when they get the opportunity. He's not afraid to play them, and he puts them in. Guardiola, as we all know, is a master. You know, he's uh, what what he's done in the game, a top class player. Uh, with Barcelona, won everything as a as a player, has won everything as a manager. Not just in Spain, he's done it in Germany. He's also done it now with uh, with Man City. So, I, 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 it's a good question what the guy said. But the players or uh, managers who've not played the game and and just come through, they will always be far and few between. The majority yeah, of sure. top quality will would have played the game because it's in us. We're not bricklayers. We're not plumbers. We know, and and if we were, we'd know all about plumbing and bricklaying. We're footballers. Yeah, quite, uh, quite right. And um, just before I know, we're going to finish off on kind of Cardiff and Swansea stuff. But um, a couple of comments I just wanted to refer to. Um, Craig Sullivan says Cardiff City didn't play Aaron Ramsey in the cup final because he was too young, which was a massive error. Huge. Uh, Craig, Huge. Craig also says who was the manager at that time, Andy. Um, and Will Malus also says, uh, Cameron Cox marked Mbappe out of the game at the Toulon tournament in 2017, but Neil Warnock just didn't fancy him, did he? And I think that's what it comes down to. But opinions. Yeah. Opinions of yeah. football. It it's is. just uh, a shame. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, again, you know, what we're saying there with Cameron Cox, uh, Cameron Cox was a good footballer and unfortunately... Neil Neil wants his defenders to put that ball 60 yards in the channels. He's mm. been very successful at it, the same as Mick McCarthy now at Cardiff is mm. doing the same way. But unfortunately, and I don't want to upset Andy with Middlesbrough, if Middlesbrough go back up to the Premier Division, you won't stay there playing that way, Andy. 
Yeah, listen, the Middlesbrough won't get promoted with the way they're playing. It, it's just, no. it, and and this this is what this is what I've said all along. Listen, he, he's he's there to serve a purpose. That's what he does at his football club. He he sets his stall out. Um, yeah. I've never seen a, I've never seen a football club have less of the ball in my lifetime, and that's to the two clubs that I've that I fell in love with. And and it is what it is. It's not it's not it's not a game which I enjoy watching. Um, no, the results are, no. results are better than the eye. Uh, which yeah. if the weren't, then I don't think he'd be where he is. So it's he's no. quite fortunate that he, that he gets results. Um, just moving back to so I mentioned there, uh, David. That obviously, um, Cardiff and Swansea. Obviously, I. Uh, well, I want to talk to you um, about um, obviously signing for Cardiff, moving to Swansea, and then obviously moving back to um, to Cardiff City after being successful playing for the Swans. So, firstly, how did the Swansea fans take you after playing for a rival? And then, obviously, how did Cardiff eventually um, take you back when you signed back from uh, from playing for Swansea as well? Because obviously, not many people do it. Not many people can can live that kind of memories. No, um, it, actually, when, when I, it, it was good for me, really, Andy, because the way it was done, when, when I left um, Cardiff, um, we were going nowhere, at the 70, 78, 79, um, and I had a great opportunity. Like you said earlier on, if you were not playing regular and things were going a bit sour, Man, um, Wrexham sold Mickey Thomas to Man United, and the Wrexham manager, Arvin Griffiths, he took me to the, uh, to Wrexham as a replacement for Mickey, and and in ten months I learned so much from Arvin Griffiths. Um, he was a fantastic player, but he taught me about uh, getting into the box, where you need to be. Don't get that you don't run in front of the strikers. Hold your run. He taught me so much about the position that I had such a good time at Wrexham. Within ten months, Tosh, who was then at Swansea, and they were on a roll going up. Um, he, he made a good offer to to, to Wrexham, and, and that's how I went. I went from Wrexham to Swansea. So the, the Swansea fans knew I was a Cardiff boy, and I'd, I'd played for Cardiff. Um, yeah, there was a few rumblings in the first four or five games. Um, fans shouting, "Get back to Cardiff, you so 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 so!" You know, as as they do, you know, and who yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. Um, and you have to take that, but. Um, then, then all of a sudden things turned and Tosh actually played me up front alongside him. So it was like a, a Kevin Keegan type of role. Yeah. And I just grabbed the opportunity and, and started go, scoring goals for fun. And, and I think I said to you earlier on, Andy, had a goal I scored, which doesn't go down very well with the Cardiff fans, but it was my job. I scored the winning goal against um, Cardiff for Swansea on <laughs> New Year's Day 1980. Um, I'm always reminded in Cardiff when I go out, but as I say to the fans, look, it was my job. I'm a Cardiff boy. That, that that's all. I'll, that's what I'll always be, and I'll support my local club, Cardiff. But I was being paid to play for Swansea, but with a good side, some smashing Welsh internationals in that team. Great manager, and yeah, well, why shouldn't why shouldn't I score? An opportunity came up, and I scored the winning goal. And I know four or five Cardiff uh, players. Phil Dwyer, one of them, tried to absolutely kill me. When I look at the replays, of that, how I got out of that unscathed without a mark on me is unbelievable. But, but you know what, um, it's, it's, it's a credit to you saying that, though, David, because, you know what I mean, the, I think it's so refreshing. You see players now not celebrating goals. You see players who um, who decide not to uh, not to get involved, you know what I mean, about, about moving clubs. And, and sometimes they'd rather sit and be comfortable not playing than, than take that opportunity to go yeah. and play for a rival club. You know what I mean, for me... It's a short career, you know. What I mean, if you get an opportunity to go and progress, you know, what I mean, you would have never, 
if you didn't go and sign for Swansea, you'd have never played with the best manager you've ever played under, which is John exactly, Tashek. No. You never played alongside him. You'd never scored all the, all the goals that you did. So, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Career-wise, it was a masterstroke decision. Oh, it was absolutely huge. And, and obviously, uh, Andy, getting getting promoted to the old first division as it was, you know, it was, um, you know, they were they were fantastic times, probably the most exciting times of my career at, at, mm. uh, at Swansea. But obviously, you know, with with with, uh, with with being a Cardiff boy, it was funny. I won I won Young Player of the Year for Cardiff City in 1974, and I won Player of the Year for Cardiff in 1988. Quality. When I came back, so you Quality. know, at least I, I did my bit when I came back as well. And actually, Andy, yeah. I played at left back. Why what, what, what was that? Did you the older you got? Did you have to drop back further? Further you back. Did. That's what happened, that's what happened to me. That, that followed me around. That centre forward <laughs> to left wing, left wing back, left back. Game over. Yeah, game over. That was it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, the back legs were going, so they were moving yeah. me back further and further. Yeah. But I yeah. and I and I finished my career at the club I started. I couldn't ask for anything more than that. I'll always be grateful for Cardiff for for bringing me back and 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 let me finish my career there. And I think I repaid them as well for that. Um, and yeah, the fans voted me Player of the Year. Was that always the plan then, David, to uh, to finish your career at Cardiff? I, I, it was yeah. In 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 my mind, it was when I left and and played for you know played played up in London. It was always in my mind. I would love to finish my career oh, where I started. You know, yeah. am, amongst amongst the community, amongst the people yeah, yeah. I know, and uh, I'm I'm very grateful for that, Andy. Great job. Good shot fitting, indeed. Fitting way, um, fitting way to finish a career. Yeah, oh, it was absolutely was yeah. Um. David, on the cut, sort of Cardiff and Swansea, what did you make of the most recent South Wales derby? And also, I wanted to ask you, why do you think no, neither team has ever done the double in a season? I find that such a fascinating yeah, fact. Scary. It, it is scary. Yeah. Uh, well, number one, probably they're not good enough to do the double. Hmm. Um, I, w- I will say the first game at Cardiff when Swansea won 2 0. Swansea absolutely murdered Cardiff. You know, it was uh, it was embarrassing, really, um, and it could have been a lot more on the day. But I will say, um, the way Mick McCarthy has have got Cardiff set up now, um, they're very difficult to beat. Now the thing is with Cardiff, and that's what happened in the last game. Cardiff scored early. If Cardiff get their noses in front, they can defend that one goal for the rest of the game. They'll say to the opposition, well, come on, come and have a go with us. You know, and they'll, the opposition get a bit loose. Having said that, Swansea absolutely murdered Cardiff in the second half, but couldn't score. So all credit to Cardiff. You know, you, you have to uh, applaud, really, great attacking play and great goals and great skill. But And Andy will tell you, there's, we were always taught football is all about players who can defend as well. And there's an art of defending. So if the defence can keep a quality team like Swansea out or not scoring, great credit to the to the Cardiff team, and they certainly deserve to get the one 0 win. Yeah, what, I, t- um, I, t- I totally agree. So we spoke about this, didn't we? Um, it was before the game, wasn't it? That about um, would the supporters be bothered if um, if they lost the game and the, that Swansea did the double as long as the, the Cardiff got promoted and. I wouldn't be bothered because it's, it's all about the, the end product. It's all about the end the end goal. But yeah. every single supporter on here, um, Cardiff supporter, said no. Can't afford to lose the game. It's about it's about this one game, one game only. And part of me gets it. I do. I, I do get it because I, I, I say I'm, I'm I'm passionate about my local area. But it's about forty six games, and the two games are just another two games. Yes, they're yeah. big games, but they are just other games as well. And if I lost two games at one of the other forty four, 
Uh, it's a tough one. I do get that, but it's, it's, yeah. it's mindset and it's hatred and it's passion, but it's just about points. No, you're right. Actually, a, a funny thing for me, Andy, I've been in both changing rooms. So I've been in the Swansea changing, knowing exactly what they're saying in the Cardiff changing room yeah. and, and, and probably saying about me. But I've also been in the Cardiff changing room when the Swansea lads are saying, yeah. you know, the same thing. I, to, to, in all fairness, I, if, if I'm honest, the, the fans were, were pretty consistent with me. They always, both sets of fans booed and wanted me uh, not to do well. <laughs> <laughs> Um, David, we uh, when we had Mehmet Dalman on uh, before, he talked about the amount of money that Cardiff were losing per month due to the you know the COVID restrictions and no fans and things like that. Um, and that was during the first, the very first lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that's a concern for Cardiff? Like, do they need to go up to to really secure the financial future of the club? Um, that's a good question, Andy. First, you have to say first and foremost that well done to um, to the owners of Cardiff for you know making sure there's never been an issue with with the Cardiff players not getting paid and and listen, good luck to them. But these lads are on good salaries as well now. You know, it's not uh, it's not a, you know a couple of bob. It's they're high paid players certainly in the championship. And I wouldn't be surprised if Cardiff are one of the top payers, if not the top payers. But yes, you can't keep shelling out that type of money with, without not getting success. So a promotion does become you know, a, a, a must thing, really, to, to, to happen for the club. Whether they do it this year, I'm not quite sure whether Mick's been there long enough to, um, to do that. But um, with next year, with, with adding a few more players as well, I'm sure. And, and the way Cardiff play, you know, the team struggle playing, playing against Cardiff. That, yeah. um, they will be a force again next year, and I'm sure they will be there or thereabouts. But yes, to the answer, the truth of the answer, they do need to go back up to the Premier Division to, for the financial reward. Isn't that, isn't that, isn't that though, Si, why managers lose their jobs? Because every year the pressure gets higher. Every year yeah. the expectation gets yeah. higher. And if, I and think if there's they, more if pressure just, now, Andrew, isn't there? Because of COVID means, means less probably money, sponsorship-wise, money-wise, you're probably not going to get a year's worth of sponsorship. You've gotten a year's worth of um, season ticket sales, which, which, which haven't happened. TV money, I don't know. You know, I don't know. There's going to be so much um, revenue lost over a, a course of 18 months by the time that, that, that they probably start getting in the, the, the nuts and bolts about it all. Um, they need it back very quickly, but they need, Premier League, they need the Premier League money. You know what I mean? Because that Premier League money is kept the Premier League clubs floating around and being able to do what they do, still buying players, still having a plan in place. And, and even the clubs who get relegated, they're still in a good place because of the parachute money. Cardiff yeah. City's parachute money will run out next season, I believe, if they don't go up yeah. this year. So they're, they're in a Similar. next season, next season, uh, is it three years? Is it three years of the money? So it's, it's, I think it's halved again. So ne- next no, season will be their last year of extra money. So if they don't go up next year, they won't get that extra money. So if, that's, if that buys another centre-forward like Kiefer Moore, if that mm-hmm. brings in uh, the Premier League wages, like David just said, you know what I mean? The, the, let's be honest, the players, some players will still be on Premier League contracts because the Premier yeah. League players. So, you know what I mean? It's, so, it's, it, that's why they're losing £3 million a month. Um, mm. I just want to touch on this because Gerard's not happy at all. He's, uh, he, says, he says, come on, two promotions earning over £400 million. They are struggling for cash. Leave it out. Looking forward to this year's balance sheet, which should show what we earned last promotion season. So I don't think Geraint's having that 
uh, like obviously Mehmet said, the Cardiff are struggling financially, and they've said that quite openly in more recent times as well. Uh, he's not having it, uh, David. Like, I don't know what, what more we can really say about it other than even the big clubs are under a massive amount of pressure. You look at the pro- the problems Derby County are having now uh, in terms of just staying afloat and staying in the league. I think Cardiff are doing all right, to be honest, because I look around and I see some massive clubs under real pressure. Sheffield, oh, yeah. Derby, mm-hmm. you know, they're in dire straits. So, I don't know. I guess I'll take Cardiff's plight at the moment. David, do you think Swansea or Cardiff will go up this year? Um, if, I, if I'm not, to be honest, I, I, about three weeks ago, I would say Swansea had a very good chance. I think they were a point or two points behind Watford with a game in hand. And, and they, were, they were getting some absolutely fantastic results. But two games prior to the Derby game, Something's happened. They got beat. They they drew at Blackburn. They got beat three nil away at Bournemouth, and now they've just lost to Cardiff now um, recently, um, mm. l- last weekend. So something's not going for them as well as it was. I still think they'll be in the playoffs. Um, Cardiff, they've got an opportunity, but but I think it it's going to be other clubs slipping away. Uh, rather than Cardiff, you know, grabbing that opportunity, I think they're going to have to rely on other clubs um, dropping points to try and get into that playoff spot. The one thing I wouldn't like, Si, and, and I think it, it would be <laughs> suicidal for the Welsh nation if the both teams got in the playoff and it was a Cardiff uh, Swansea playoff final. I, I wouldn't watch it. I no, wouldn't I, watch it. David, we, we had this conversation last year, obviously, with the. Uh, with the playoffs um, and and the opportunity with the with the, with the two teams going to meet in the playoff final, and that would have been it's disastrous because it, it's and that would have been without obviously without without fans, which would, which would yeah. have been even even worse because it just mm-hmm. it piles the pressure on. Even with, with supporters, I think it would be a bad thing. Um, I just hope uh, part of me hopes that that the that the next time the two clubs play each other is a Premier League fixture because there's no bigger game in in the UK. You know what I mean. It's, it's, oh, on yeah. with, it's on par with Celtic Rangers. Uh, yeah. It's on par with the Manchester Derby, the Merseyside Derby, you know what I mean, for, for various reasons. Um, and for me, hopefully, sooner rather than later, it can be, it can be a Premier League fixture, but that can't happen next season. One it of them can move, go up. Move it to the Millennium Stadium. One Paris, of them can go up. Playoff final. There we go. Oh, God. Good luck with that. <laughs> Good luck with that one. Um, David, <laughs> earlier on, uh, Gavin Randall asked, what's your favourite memory from... Uh, your time at Cardiff City? Um, Favourite memory? Um, actually, um, um, I made my debut. I made my league debut for Cardiff um, away at Notts Forest. Brian Clough had just taken over the club and um, John McGovern had signed. Archie Gemmer was there. You know, they had the nucleus of the team that, that went up to the first mm-hmm. division. Um, we drew nil-nil. It was uh, it was a good a good point for us because we were struggling at the time down the bottom, and I remember Brian Cliff walking down the tunnel, tapped me on the shoulder. He said, "Well played, young man," and hmm. that's something that st- stayed with me uh, throughout my football life, really. And but probably on a par with that, the following week I played at Old Trafford um, in front of 
well, at the time, I think it was 52,000. It wasn't as big as it uh, it was now. Um, and we were, we were drawn in nil-nil with 20 minutes to go. And they took off a guy called Willie Morgan, who had taken over from George Best. He was like the local star. And they brought on Steve Koppel. It was his debut for Man United. I think our fullback, Freddie Pethard, is embedded in that pitch that he turned in <laughs> inside. We ended up losing 4-0, but uh, it was a great feeling of playing Old Trafford as, a, as an 18-year-old kid and, and to have a good game as well. So um, that was great. And playing in Europe for Cardiff, that was exciting. Yeah, it's smashing tough. club. It, 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 uh, sorry, it was a different club to the Cardiff City now. Um I think it was more of a community club then. We used to travel away on a, on a on the train with the fans. Hmm. You know, David, David, one question. One question I'd like to ask, and obviously we uh, we spoke we spoke about it with a couple of uh, ex Cardiff players who, who had the opportunity to opportunity to do it um, about playing in the Europe and uh, and obviously the Welsh Cup, which obviously give um, European football to um, to people who won the um, won the Welsh Cup and Cup winners Cup opportunities. And how important mm-hmm. was that? Because Welsh clubs don't get that opportunity anymore, which is um, which is obviously contentious. You know, the way that the way that things are, the way that things go, and, and should yeah. that maybe possibly be brought back into it? I, I don't know if that's possible, but I, I tell you, what, I, I would love to be. The Welsh Cup is still going, but it's only for the semi-professional teams now that uh, are involved in it. But it, it was a great competition, and listen, I, I've played um, for Newport County in the final of the Welsh Cup, and we got beat by Bangor City. You know, so it gave the, the smaller clubs a great opportunity. But again, I was lucky. I won the Welsh Cup uh, with Cardiff City. I won the Welsh Cup with Swansea City. So I played in Europe with both end teams. You know, played a, uh, played it um, against um, Martin Chivers when he played for Sevet Geneva. Um, and we played Austria Vienna when the, 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 the famous Franz Krankel was playing. I've never seen a bloke with such a big backside in all my life, Andy. <laughs> It was frightening. It was like a mule from the back. <laughs> and he was as strong as one as well. Hell of a player. Hell of a player. And well, things like, we, 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 we spoke about it, David. You know what I mean? And I, I just think, I just think it's, it's, it's opportunities for clubs. It's extra revenue um, for, it pl- for players to have the opportunity to play in Europe. Because let's be honest, you know what I mean? The, the, the chances of, of the fans seeing European football again are, are really well, slim unless they win the FA Cup. And then, then you, mm. you know what I mean? You, then you're going into... Um, extra qualifying rounds, and you're doing you're doing things, but this way that you that you're guaranteed an opportunity because apparently they were looking at different avenues of, of doing an extra um, European competitions for the for the for the lesser nations. So if that's well, an opportunity, is, then hopefully you can. I'm sure teams would rather play in the Cup Winners Cup or a different European competition created than they would in the EFL Cup, Coca-Cola Cup, the Milk Cup, whatever you want to call it, the Rumbelows Cup. That They'd rather play in a European competition. Mm, yeah, totally. Years ago, years ago, we had the European Cup, which is the Champions League. We had yeah. the UEFA Cup, which is the Europa League now. Yeah. So they've got rid of a cup. We've lost a cup somewhere, and we've and the, and and those cups have got bigger. Supposedly so combined them, didn't they, to make the Europa League? Yeah. But I know. But yeah, but you can still. You can, you, then, three, you could, then you could still have another cup, and if that's a if that's a cup winners cup, and it's a it's a knockout format, it gives those clubs. And opportunities, and then that, that that cup could be a cup to be get a Champions League place, for example, yeah, to give you more yeah. money, more, more funding. Yeah, well, I, I liked it when it was the Cup Winners' Cup was for the, all the Cup winners, and the Champions yeah. League was for the top two. 
say. Sorry, because but my, 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 my best memory, my best memory as a young as a young football fan was watching, was, European was watching Mark Hughes. Mark Hughes scoring his, his two goals against Barcelona in the Cup Winners' Cup final for uh, Man United against uh, against Barcelona. There was, yeah. there was it was amazing games of football. You know that he's taking on the goalkeeper and scoring from silly angles, and that's what I remember because Man United won the FA Cup the year before against. I think it was Oldham Athletic. You know what I mean? So they got that. They got the opportunity to play in Europe. So it, it opens doors for people, and it's amazing. Yeah, well, no, you're right, Andy. It does. It, it, it was. It, you, you can imagine. You know, you're you're going away representing your your city, your club, your yeah. community, the people, Cardiff City, and you're playing in Europe. You know, I've got mementos, um, badges, and pennants from these other teams. You know, with with the the the, the dates of the game on and everything else. And yeah. you know, it mean, it, 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 yeah, it's it, it's really a big part of my of my career. And that's yeah. sad that that um, our Welsh clubs can't play in the Welsh Cup because sadly we uh, we're only represented now by semi-professional teams. And without being disrespectful, they start playing in June and and they're out of the competition by you know the, a fortnight later. They'll get yeah. knocked out. Totally agree. Totally agree. You know, and I think so. it gives it gives those kind of clubs uh, an opportunity to play against professional clubs as well. Because how many how many times how many times are those guys going to get an opportunity, for, for example, to play away at Swansea at, exactly. at Liberty or, or away at Cardiff City on, at, at the yeah. City Stadium? You know what I mean? That or at Wrexham. These kind of yeah. opportunities are, are once in a lifetime for 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 some professional players. So they should be given the chance as well. Yeah. Do you know what I think for every Cardiff fan, and it's something that n nobody can can take talk about European football. No one can take away from the club. And I was was there, thank God, as a as a ten year old boy. I saw Brian Clark, who, who I got to know really well, and I actually played with Brian for Cardiff, score the winning goal at Ninian Park against Real Madrid. Now oh, there's wow. nothing. How wow. good is that? How wow. good is that? Yeah. Well, and you know one, of those, one, one of those moments, Dave, that nobody can ever take away from you. Sure. You know what no. I mean? People who were there, people who were there watched it, people who played in the game, people who, obviously, the person who scored that goal, you know what I mean? That's, that's, that's hero status just oh. on its own, that. And, and I ran onto the pitch at the end and rubbed his shorts, and I think my mother said I never washed for a fortnight. Oh, there and you the, go. I, wouldn't, I would uh, never have washed again. <laughs> I would never have washed well, again. I'm not, I, well, I haven't, Andy, but I'm not doing this. <laughs> 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 um, David, last question then to finish us off was one which uh, Cade Child sent in a bit earlier. I had my eye on, I kept it. Um, and he he asked them, um, it's a subject which we've talked about with various guests before. Um, we talked about it, I think, in deep detail with um, Jim Platt. Was it Jim? I can't remember. But yeah, we've talked about it before. Um, and David, he says, David, did you get any side effects from head in the ball in the 70s and 80s? Um well, that, that, that is a good question, you know, very good question. Obviously, um, Cade, is it, the guy that sent yeah. the question in? Being my size, obviously, I, I wasn't that brilliant in the air. <laughs> but and what we did, especially back in the 70s, when we used to do um, heading training, and we did that for an hour under the stand, you had a ball on a, on a long piece of string, everyone take it in turns, jump, and smash the ball as hard as you can with your head. Um, and you do that for an hour. But the, the, thank God, when we used to go across the road on the training ground, it would be people like me pinging balls into the centre-back or centre-halves, and they would, they would have to head it 30 yards over our heads. Now, I say this, a lot of Cardiff fans listening, a good mate of mine who was my best mate when I got married, Keith Ponting, sadly at 64, died last year. Yeah. And 
and is and and they're trying to prove it now. But I believe uh, the, he had dementia. He didn't even know me in the end, and it was heartbreaking to see him. But I I do put that down to especially the balls being as heavy as they were. Yeah, um, it, it must it must play a part in it. Must play a part. Yeah. And David, listen, we've spoke about it, like I said at length, and it's it's so sad. You know, what I mean, you've obviously witnessed it firsthand with obviously someone who's who's really close to you. But it it's really worrying, isn't it? You know that you you, you listen to people. You know what I mean? I know Gordon McQueen, who, who I'm really close to, one of my yes. managers, coaches yeah. at Cardiff, uh, Middlesbrough. Sorry that. Um, mm-hmm. And just, it's heartbreaking for families. It's it's breaking people. It's you know what I mean. The people's dads, the people's brothers, the people's granddads. That you know what I mean. It's so. Yeah. It's just so. I, I just surely hope that they can find a way of stopping it and finding a way of finding a solution. Um, to you know what I mean? Because I don't believe heading can stop out of football. You know what I mean? No. And, and and you've got no. to be able to head the ball. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just a. It's uh, I don't know. You know what I mean? If that's it's technique. You know what I mean? I look at Harry Maguire. And me and Sai spoke about it at length. Harry Maguire is yeah. probably one of the best headers I've seen in the Premier League to date. Oh, There's no way in the world he just he turns up on a Saturday and doesn't practice it. You know what I mean? So no. he's constantly, repetitively doing it all the time. But, but yeah. we need to be careful. We got to, we got to look after. He's a he's a, I don't know. I don't know him personally, but I'm guessing he's a he's a he's a parent. In the future, he'll be a granddad, and it's you know what I mean. We've got to make sure that people are fit and healthy by the time they leave football because we're not, they're not. They're not performing seals who we no. just going to use to keep us a uh, keep us entertained for ten fifteen years and then forget about them after that. You know, what I mean, the real people, and we need to make sure that 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 they're fit and healthy, well after they pack in football. Yeah, no, you're right. Well, Andy, you know, you, you only got to look at son. If you look at the, the the great England team that won the World Cup, sadly we're losing these lads now, these players, yeah. and it all seems to be with the dementia. Yeah. Um, you know, Jack Charlton, there's a documentary on the television tonight, funny enough, nine o'clock yeah. about yeah. Jack Charlton. I've I've already seen it. And it's sad to see it. But Keith Ponting's um, you know, wife, she she you know, she, she said to me, she said, I don't think Keith would have been a professional footballer if he knew this was gonna happen to him. Because it, wow. it's sixty-four years of age, it, it, it's a young no, man. It's, it's no age. Yeah, it's no age. You know, it? no. And he's got he's got two two Young girls, well, I see young girls in their twenties. So it, it, it's it's very very sad. But yeah, you're right, Andy. There's you can't stop it. Heading has got to be part of football. I know mm. people always say, well, boxers, you know, they get punched. Yeah. And, but I, I'm sure boxers don't when they do the sparring, they don't stand there and get punched to the head like they do you in know, an actual match. You know, headgear, guards exactly. and stuff. Yeah, there's got to be there's got to be something, hasn't there? You know, like. Um, like Peter Check when he got that head injury, you know what I mean? That's right, some yeah. Kind of, you know what I mean? So there's there's got to be some kind of idea or something that we can invent and implement in football which keeps people safe on a... Yeah. Uh, even, even, listen, people might decide to wear these kind of things for a match day, for a game, because rugby they're allowed, you know what I mean? Football. They do. I, I tell you what, it's a good point that, Andy. Yeah. That's a good point. Mm. That the centre-backs yeah. can wear one of these skull guard, mm. I think it's yeah. called. Yeah, and it, it, listen, it's... It's it, we're all. I'm all for you know. I mean, if, if if that protects just one person, or you know, what I mean, that, then it's done his job, right? Exactly. You know what I mean? It's about yeah. it's about protecting people long term and and looking after them because for me, they're not just another number. And I'd be heartbroken if people just 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 disperse people after the pack in. You know what I mean? It's yeah. If, if, yeah. The, if they're 16 or the 35 or the 40 or the 50 in the pack in football, it doesn't matter. We still got to give them aftercare. You know what I mean? If that's yeah, mental, physical, you know what yeah. I mean? We've got to make sure we're all on the same page here. Yeah, definitely right, Andy. Definitely. 100%. I think that's a good way for us to finish up. Um, 
I'm a big believer in like what Andy's just said about aftercare of, of footballers, whether they are dropping out of the game as teenagers or they have a full and you know full career and finish at forty. Let's look after these guys and make sure they're all right. But you know, unless everyone gets involved in that sort of thing and makes it a a quest, if you like, for for us to look after these guys, it's always there's always going to be people who slip through the net, unfortunately. But, um, okay. So, uh, just a couple of schedule notes, uh, Wednesday, uh, we've got a new Danny Batten show where we're talking about, uh, last Saturday's UFC 260 show, which was an absolute belter. And, uh, congratulations to, uh, recent guest and friend of the show, Paddy, the Paddy Pimbler, who just signed for the UFC today. Congratulations to him. Uh, we'll be back on Friday with uh, an all new episode of the championship show, myself and Andy, and uh, Sunday, there'll be an all-new episode of My Story, uh, which is a, a very personal episode on Sunday. Um, I actually shed a tear or two as uh, I speak to one of my oldest friends. Uh, he's an author and a radio DJ. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a personal one, to say the least. But um, a big thank you to Darren Ralston and Bespoke Financial, as ever, for sponsoring the show. And, of course, uh, Martin and Black Diamond Sports for all their support. Andy, as ever, you, my friend, I, I just love it. But most of all, the legend that is <laughs> X Wales, Cardiff City, Crystal Palace, and Swansea <laughs> middle midfielder David Giles. Thank you so much for your time, David. And I'm really glad that we got to get a good bit of time with you after the technical issues uh, earlier on because I'm I'm really glad we got to get a good chat with you. Yeah, and I totally agree, David. Yeah, amazing. Thanks for your time, mate. You've blown me away. Some of your, some of your stories, your, your enthusiasm, your honesty. You know what I mean? And you know what? We don't always get um, the honesty that we that we want. You know what I mean? From uh, from certain people, but you know what I mean. From you tonight, we've had uh, we've had the honesty that that I expected. Well, uh, listen, you two. Uh, I've never done anything like this. You know, obviously, my, my son actually set it all up because I'm not a nowhere technical guru. So that's why I think I had a few problems and he wasn't here when I went down. So I had to get him back around here. <laughs> uh, listen, absolutely. I, it, it, it's brilliant. Just sat here li watching, listening to you two, asking questions and just answering them. I, I really appreciate it, lads. And thanks for all the people who ask questions as well. It's, it's a pleasure for me and honour. Thank you very much. Great stuff. Yeah, the, the sign we've said, haven't we, that the, the viewers keep on following, keep on doing what you're doing because without you guys, this, uh, this doesn't work doesn't work absolutely mate and the, the comments coming in this i try to put as many as i could up on screen just then there's loads of people just saying how much they enjoyed it how much they enjoyed david uh, and his honesty and everything um it's uh, it's been a real good one i've been really really enjoyed it and um i thank everyone i apologize to people if i didn't get your questions i know i didn't get to a couple from your dad andy and a couple of others but uh such is life and Don't technology worry about that. he's he runs the show <laughs> we'll be back uh, live on Friday for the championship show. Spread the word, tell your friends, be good. And in answer to Gavin's question, yes, Harry Maguire is better than Virgil van. <laughs> my mummy and daddy have been talking about life insurance. It sounds like something to protect my brother and me, but I don't really understand. Then my auntie Louise told mummy about bespoke financial teaside. She said they're a local company who helped her with her life insurance. Mummy got in touch and because they're based locally, a man called Darren was able to come to our house. He was really friendly. 
Darren stayed for a cup of tea and made it all really easy to understand. He said that life insurance will protect our home and family if anything bad were to happen. Like if mummy or daddy got sick, then we'd get enough money to take care of us and our house would be paid for so we wouldn't get taken away. After an hour, Darren said goodbye and mummy and daddy seemed a lot happier. Once it was all sorted, we could all relax and watch a film together as a family. I don't know why they didn't do it sooner. Podcast Network.